the food and the restaurant this is who I am you know this is in my blood I mean I I eat and breathe food so if someone stranger doesn't know me they think it's uh, something wrong with my head they maybe I'm crazy but you can see yeah, I'm I'm a crazy I'm crazy about food and creating uh, you know new new dishes and and new recipes this is the deep in the weeds podcast I'm Anthony Huckstep There are many cuisines and cultures that have had a huge impact on Australia's culinary landscape. And in recent years, food from the subcontinent, namely Indian and Sri Lankan, have been making waves. But the food of Bangladesh is not as common down under. And it has its own unique and profound beauty. Apel Khan is the owner of the Apel Khan group that includes Matisse and Kana. Opel, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? I'm good. I didn't list all of your restaurants there, which we can get into it. You're a very busy person, but you're on the ver- you're, um have a new restaurant which delves into your own culture. That's correct. Yes. T- tell us a little bit about it. So I guess you know, as as you said, um, there's a huge web of Bangladeshi, Sri Lankan restaurants, you know, globally and especially in Australia. But the Bangladesh cuisine is is unknown. But if you look at, in fact, it's a lot of Indian restaurants owned by Bangladeshi, you know, and I guess they're probably playing a little bit of secure because the cuisine is unknown and they probably don't want to take the risk. But, you know, for me being a so long, nearly three decade in, in, in Australia running restaurants, and I thought, no, uh, there's something I, I always want to do. Probably the whole thing came across four or five years ago that I want to do my own food. Even even though you know, I have you know I've done an incredible super fine dining French restaurant which is made these you know degustation only and everything, but between you and me Anthony, I, my my heart wasn't there, you know you know I I do all this beautiful food you know I've got an extremely busy Italian two restaurants pigs and pasta, but then I said to myself no I want to cook something from my bottom of my heart so that's why I created Kana Kana means is eat. Or food in my my language, but in fact, this is same sentence they use in four country. So two billion people, my part of the region, India, Bangladesh, Pakistan, Sri Lanka. This is one dialogue is Kana. So if you if you go to someone's house, say, do you want a Kana or do you want to eat? So it's the same 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 sentence. Amazing. Tell us a little bit about Bengali food. I, mean, I know it's quite different to um, some of the other countries in the subcontinent. Tell us a bit about it, what's so beautiful about it. Sure. Uh, you know, the Bengali food, we use a lot of fresh and very light yeah, sort of spicy ingredients. We eat a lot of seafood because, you know, as, as you know, Bangladesh always flooded because of the, you know, over 700 rivers and, and big Bengal Ocean. So the, our food, it is very similar to Indian or Pakistan or Sri Lankan food, but then it's more lighter approach to it. So our spice contents of the dishes probably be less than to some other, you know, um, subcontinent cuisine. So that's that's to start with. And secondly, obviously, at Kana, you know, we, we take in even, you know, two steps further. You know, I don't want to do a lot of defrying and a lot of, you know, oil and a lot of, you know, sugars and cashew nuts and cream in my food. I want to keep it more lighter and healthier. But same time, you know, it's have to visually have to be absolutely stunning. So that's what we just start doing it. Uh, you know, today's our day six. Uh, so far, so far it's taking very, very nicely with, with the within the audience. Yeah. 
Tell us a little bit about some of the dishes that you have on the menu. I, I know you have um, the sort of finer dining uh, restaurant, which you mentioned in Potts Point there, but tell, tell us a little bit about the food here. Yeah. Sure, sure. So, you know, you, everybody knows what is samosa is, which is, you know, could be any kind of feelings, could be meat or vegetable, you know, you make like a little triangle and deep fry it. But then what we do here... Um, we do a beautiful duck leg confit, so the duck leg marinated with Bangladeshi spices. We confit it and then take out all the meat from the bone, and then we do like a little open samosa. So we we also very big on you know as I said. So we do a buckwheat flour, very thin filo pastry, and then we make a little beautiful tart shell case. So we do the the duck leg confit, the mixture with pochadon and the light spices, and then we made a bit of orange and um, uzu gel. And then on top, we do fermented uh, daikon. In Bangladesh, you call it mula. We eat every single dish. We eat as a side dish, little something crunchy to eat with. I thought, okay, let's introduce all our my childhood memories elements to the dishes, but with a different different uh, technique and, and, and shape and structure. So then that's turned into like a uh, the samosa, but it's not fried. And then the other one probably... Um, you know how the French or even Australia, we have a crepe. You know, we can have a savory crepe or sweet crepes. In Bangladesh, we call it pita. Uh, so what it is, um, it's a rice flour and make a very thin, almost like a chapati, but super thin. So we do a lobster. I uh, know Australia, we have beautiful seafood products. We have lobster and prawn. We, with the light, you know, the you know the green masala, we make a little, like a, almost like a uh, mousse. And then we make the pita. Then we wrap it in that and we bake it in the oven. And then we serve with all the the lobster and prawn shell make it almost like a bisque, but it's a more like a Bengali style. And, then we, and we make it very light, and we serve that one as a as a as a one of the dish. Wow, it sounds amazing. What's it been like for you bringing a modern approach to the food of of your heritage? Has there been challenges uh, doing that? Look, it is challenges. Look, it didn't happen overnight. I mean, I've been, you know, in, in every chef has a little test kitchen, you know, and for me being a sommelier restaurant, I, I probably, my test kitchen probably leave bit better than the some of my restaurant kitchen. So I've been, I've been working on this, this concept probably more, more than five, six years. I mean, if you look at, if you look at history, you know, like Schofield, he created, you know, the noble French cuisine because French cuisine used to be so heavy and, and then he came in and, you know, three, four, three hundred years ago and created a, a special cuisine. And the whole world took, and then after, if you look at, you know, 30, 30, 25, 30 years ago, Mr. Uh, Fern Adria did, you know, that molecular gastronomy, and then whole world, all, all chef, we took that technique and doing it. So I thought, why we can't do some cuisine from our region and create something, something unique? And that's exactly uh, what I'm doing here, you know. The challenge, it can be done, yes. Uh, but how long it will take? Maybe I started, maybe my daughter will take take over from me and then maybe next generation next generation will finish it <laughs> well i want to explore what you're doing there uh, a little bit more further on in the conversation but take us back to when you were young where did you grow up and yeah i grew up in bangladesh okay um so my father is from very modest educated family and my mom india they call it moharaja and bangladesh called jumi that's so she's from the last royal royal family so you know, you know how every which is um, it's in a way disappointment, but maybe not. You know, a lot of chefs they say their first learning was their mother or grandmother, you know, kitchen. But unfortunately, I didn't have that opportunity because my mom and grandmother never cooked. So we had our 14 generation of house chef, 
And my first teacher could be my house chef's younger daughter, who was my good, good friend. So after the liberation, you know, the 1971, and then after maybe late 70, uh, before 80s, the Chinese restaurant went to Bangladesh, and they, you know, everybody going to try the Chinese food. So I used to go and eat, and my dear friend, which is my house chef, uh, the daughter, her name is Pia, and she said, how is it taste like? So then next day I went in with my mom for dinner. I said, I want everything take away. And I was a very little spoiled kid, you know, uh, were very demanding. She said, you already had a dinner. I said, no, I want to take it. And she knew exactly why. So I took this Chinese food to back home and give it to Pia. And she tried. And next day, believe me, she 80% accurate the dishes. And she recreated And I said, how did you do that? I think I was, I was seven or eight years old. She was maybe 14. She said, you, do, you put these, these, that. I said, let's do it together. And then she was my first teacher. Of, of cooking, you know, and I, I'm so gr- grateful for that because she had, God gave us an incredible palate and she taught me, you know, you, you, you can have to test it first and then see what you're testing. So I can turn this testing pepper, I can testing coriander. So that's it. Then what do you test next? So, so if anyone wants to know me, you know, how, who, who is the first, in, you know, the teacher or, 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 or way first trained, I trained from my friend Pia which is our house cook daughter. Was, was a career in food something you'd always thought about from then or was it just a love of food at that stage? I think just love of food, mm. you know, love of food. And then we came um, to Australia as a business magnate in 1988. And then my parents, they thought, you know, they loved it, but they don't want to go back to the UK. And that's what you want to do, stay back. So I opened my first restaurant, believe me, an Indian restaurant in Newtown, used to call Indian Village, 1989. And I know nothing about it. I am just a chef, you know, just turned 17 or 18, you know, and I, I loved it. And um, at the time, one of the publications came in and did a review and did very good review. And then Tuesday evening, it's a long queue. And I was, I was, I was living upstairs. My manager came and we need help. I said, why? He said, it's a queue outside. So why queue outside? He said, I don't know, just come in. So, so then after that, I opened Kirk and Crown. And that way I met some of incredible chefs from UK and, and, and France, and then we all became a friend. I started cooking with them. And then age of 21, I opened six or seven restaurants in Sydney. And then, and then since then, I never looked back. Tell us about that period of time. It's a lot of restaurants to be opening at the age of 21. What, what was it like? What were the challenges for you? Look, the challenge is obviously, you know, uh, you, you make mistakes. Do they make mistakes? Yes. You know, uh, and and then you know two of us start so I learned a lot of technique doing confit you know doing souffle and then you know then I went to take a trip to to you know London and Paris stayed there for a couple of years I went you know, a lot of places you know I worked for free a lot of places I don't want to mention names and then but then remember I told you about Pia and her her her, her the. Her, my teacher and she said that's how you do it so i used to eat and try you know eat and try and enjoy. and they came back and then you know then i started creating my own style of you know cooking but using this incredible technique you know i mean look the french one thing we have to agree um, the discipline is incredible when it comes to cooking so that i learned the discipline and then in my food especially you know when, these days whenever i want to create a menu or dish I don't actually look at cookbook or look at show. I look at what's the new cars, you know, design, what's the new architecture, new fashion, you know, the the colors and structures. I get the inspiration from there. Then I implement that one to my food. Otherwise, I find it's become a too similarity. 
After this sort of trip that you did globally and you came back to Australia, what did you do? So I came back to Australia and then I worked, uh, took a job at Claudine, used to be very, a very serious French restaurant in Cheswood Chase uh, as a very hardcore French owner. But they, you know, um, I took it as a, as a head chef. I was the longest living head chef in her history. <laughs> Year and a half. <laughs> A lot of big chef, a lot of big French chef in Australia. I won't say name, and they even the brilliant chef, lucky to stay three months. Uh, so it was closing, and then I opened a uh, Buluga in Surrey Hill. You remember the Buluga Surrey Hill, and then I had uh, Bar Expresso Bondi. I mean, then goes on and on. And then 2011, I opened up uh, Pizza Bocconi. Tell us a little bit about Buluga in, in Surrey Hills. So Buluga probably I took the first, um, Buluga opened 2009. That was the first sort of push was to French Indian concept. Yeah. Uh, did you ever get, did you ever went to Buluga or did you? I did, yeah, I remember it. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was just in that new, near the Beresford. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. Oh my God, you got a good memory. So the Buluga probably the first one, um, uh, I pushed the boundary a little bit. And, and look, it did very well. And then once again, I got a massive consulting job in India, do a whole five-star hotel, you know, seven restaurant. So I left Buluga. I left Buluga at that time. My wife, uh, I had two, two daughters, which is the one, is a chef now. They were six or seven years old. So I left my poor wife to run Buluga. And she used to bring the kids after school. And they sit in the bar and doing, um, I assume my little daughter, she used to make the little strawberry caviar out of strawberry juice. You know, and sit in the bar with a little eye drop. So I, I went to um, India, I did the Lemeridian Hotel, I did all the restaurants and everything. And obviously, not me being there and leaving my wife to run it. And then, obviously, beyond city business, uh, it failed. And then I, ch- I changed Buluga and I sold the Buluga. So, once again, as I, as I told you, you know, in, in business, you know, you have a failure, but then you don't, you don't take the negative, put the, take the negative, put it into positive, and move on. What was it like consulting in India? Do you have any stories of what it was like at that time? Oh, don't miss that. <laughs> so, so, so the Lemurian Hotel, they're running for now they're 30 years. So after 25, uh, so her husband, um, she passed away, he passed away, and Mrs. Singh, uh, she pretty much owned quarter of New Delhi. So she told me two things she told me. She said, you can change anything you want to change, but you cannot fire anyone from my team they've been with my in my family for 25 years so because the people are living so long so there was a lot of resistance through the higher up like executive chef and all these so that was that was hard that was hard but then obviously i knew it's going to be hard and the general manager gm hassan said to me shabapel i can tell you you have a lot of resistance because you got, you're coming and changing everything you're gonna hopefully you're gonna change everything after 25 years so that wasn't easy but at the end when i perform then they realize that, yeah, I'm, I'm putting them in the right direction. Um, and so I was there nearly on and off six months. So I did five restaurants. Uh, so I changed the whole way of, you know, how the restaurant and, you know, brasserie and everything can run in that part of the world. And they're very successful now. You've got uh, four restaurants in the portfolio at the moment. And you mentioned Aqua Farina. Um Tell us about the beginnings of the group and and what it was like getting these restaurants up and running. So, um, 
obviously, uh, so the OK group I started uh, just second lockdown of COVID. Uh, and then, obviously, once again, in the COVID time, a lot of my dear restaurant owner and all this, you know, they couldn't sustain the business. But then COVID time, I have nothing to do. And then I saw this little space for lease uh, on, on McLean Street. It's a little tiny little, I think it was fish and chips or something like that. So I ring the real estate. I said, listen, I'm interested, but you have to give me a very good deal. It's COVID. It's everything close. So I, I got a really good deal. <laughs> and, then, and then I got my bill. I said, look, you know, you can work certain time of the day, as you know. So then I actually opened uh, Aquafina after second lockdown of COVID. I did the second lockdown. And so I thought, you know, and at the time, my general manager, uh, Val Deckray, which is at Metis Group, he was bored and he's an incredible, passionate person. He goes to me, Chef, I'm so bored. Please let me do something, you know. Because I kept all my stuff on, believe me or not. And even though I was hard, they all get paid. I told them downstairs, big dry search, come in, any food you want to take, any wine you can take, but don't take the expensive one. Believe me, none of them came take one bottle of wine, not even one grab of flour. He said, are you paying us? That's more than enough. So anyway, so then we opened um, the Aquafarina, you know, I just bought a pasta machine and, you know, and doing, you know, the COVID did probably a lot good to me because that time I created so many new recipes, new dishes. I created uh, how to make a perfect pasta, you know, you know, nice and soft and silky. I created how I can do incredible gluten-free pasta because I have so much time, you know, we all have so much time in the hand. What do you do, you know? No point complaining about it. Just do something with it. So that's we open now. It's become so busy. Then I took it the next door. It's still not enough. So we do very simple, clean fried pasta with the beautiful local ingredients. And that's it. That's all you get. You also have um, Matisse in the group, which is in a, a famous location. It's had restaurants like Gastro Park previously. It jumps into that sort of love of French cuisine that you have. Tell us a bit about it. So obviously, you know, when I, I was running Pizza Bocone, which is a land killing place point, so, you know, every now and then I should go for work. And Gastro Park was there. And I always used to admire, you know, that building, the whole thing. And I said, what a beautiful restaurant. We'd love to have something like this one day. And before you know, and then landlord came to Pizza Bocca and said, look, you'd be interested because between Gastro Park and I, there had a few pop-up. I'm not sure if you remember or not. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Atelette and a few other pop-up. And then um, I, I I took uh, the, the, the spot and I said, look, I want to do a Mestiz, which is mean mixed race, which is my wife. She's a country girl from Young. I'm Bangladeshi and my two daughters obviously mix. So I thought, when I... Google the name, it was free. I said, how could that possible? I started to register the name. And that's exactly that I created Metis. And obviously, when you came in, it was like mentally madhouse. <laughs> well, I think, I think, do you agree? Was, I, I think we had too many tables and chairs. And then after you review and everything, uh, we went back, drawing board, and then I, I turned into only decoration only because I, found, I thought this is the best to do about it. And from 72 seater restaurant, I turned into 38. So at the moment, only 38, 38 seater restaurant now. But you probably don't know, Metis are moving to city. Yeah, it's going to go to somewhere in a water view location. Uh, in fact, yesterday was the final uh, brief with my architect. And then Aquafarina, I'm moving to Metis location because I need the biggest space. Mm, amazing. And then three, and three more in pipeline. 
<laughs> You're always busy. Is, will Matisse, uh, the new incarnation, will that be a bit different to what we've seen? No, I think so. the new location is 680 square meters massive. So there'll be two uh, restaurants into one. So Matisse is still going to be as a countertop, like an open kitchen in the middle. So I have a, a four times eight, 32 people sit on the bar and I'll pretty much team will serve and, and it'll be even more high-end than to what I'm doing Metis now. And then Metis Bistronomy will be very casual. You can have beautiful, you know, coca van or beef bougiam or beautiful burger and very simple sort of casual uh, concept. And then Metis, you know, that's, that's who I am, a super uh, technical degustation restaurant. How do you manage such different sites and different offerings um, and maintain their success? Okay, first of all, you got to be super focused. You know, it cannot be a uh, little bit off off rail, then you lose the plot. The, the two things I do, I always manage to find one very good general manager and one very good head chef. And then what I do, I bring, bring them to one of my... So before I opened Kana, I picked up my general manager uh, for Kana and my head chef uh, for Kana. I, they worked with me two months, more than two months in Metis. You know, you can't really get someone and within a week you think they're going to do a miracle. I'm sure they're going to do a miracle, but then they have to understand your vision. They have to go inside your head. So that's exactly what I do or what I did. So I, I, I pick a team, train them up, you know, day and night. And then when I see this, they're ready to take over. And then, so that's exactly what I did. So I opened Kana now, the, my team running it. And fortunately, my two daughters got involved. So the one in front of the house and Chef Lucy in the kitchen. So the Kana, Kana is set now. So then now I can move into the next project. Mm. What's it like for you opening Kana? Um, you've spent your career cooking French and also Indian cuisine. Has it had an impact on you delving into your own culture and cuisine? No, I think I think this was, I, I, I found it very exciting. You know, I want to showcase my food, you know, and, and hopefully one day when you get a chance, you'd come in and try it. Um, you know, uh, so so it, I think you probably said the right thing. So the French technique, you know, uh, I've been cooking for the last 30 years. You know, so I, I, I get the essence of the technique and the discipline and then implement that style of the discipline and the technique to my style of food. When it comes to dish creation, is it a collaborative thing with your daughters or is it something that you create and then and they do? No, I think I create first. And then what happened is my biggest critic, maybe she wasn't you, my wife. Nothing is good for her. I, I guess I guess she pushed she pushed the boundary to the max. So so then I created this. Then for, I never give it to my wife because I know it's not going to be good. So my two daughter try and they say that is great. How about if we, if we, what do you think is this and that? Maybe fifty fifty percent of them they're right, fifty percent of them they're not. And when all done, then I give it to my wife and she try. But still, nothing is good. So, so, so that's 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 how we work. But we have a very good team. And my wife is a very heavily involved in the business. You know, she ran Bocone and then she ran. She actually, you know, probably the backbone of the all of my success. You know, and she supported me hundred percent. Half of the time, she's running around, picking up things, dropping things. You know, if um, there's people out there that have never had Bengali food, how how would you describe it to them? Uh, just come and try it. <laughs> because it's very hard because they say, like yesterday I have a group of five came in and I, uh, as you know the spot, it's a complete open and they're reading the menu, so oh, there's no butter chicken. And I say, oh my God. And I say, look, 
no bother thing but try it and and uh, and my and then at the end so my god you know we never thought they're from bangladesh you know so and then they realize it's like hang on this is not going to be your bindalu butter chicken and garlic naan restaurant it's going to be something different you know and at the end it was always good well yeah have an amazing knack to deliver some pretty incredible restaurants in the last couple of years what, what do you love about what you do I get I get good good kick out of it. I, otherwise, I get bored. I think if you, I mean, you know, I've got some other business and all this. Don't get, go, let's not get into that. But the food and the restaurant, this is who I am. You know, this is in my blood. I mean, I I eat and breathe food. You know, sometimes four o'clock in the morning, I go, no, that's not good. And my wife says, Are you cre- are you creating a, a recipe in your head? So you know, sometimes I create something. Even I go, no, this doesn't go. And I'm like even myself, I talk. So if someone stranger doesn't know me, they think it's uh, something wrong with my head. Maybe I'm crazy, but you can see, yeah, I'm I'm a crazy. I'm crazy about food and creating, uh, you know, new new dishes and and new recipes. Uh, well, Opal, it's um, amazing to catch up with you, and very exciting to see the opening of Kana. Um, please keep in touch. Sure. When are you going to come for dinner? Try the Bangali food. <laughs> I would I would love to. Um, bring, bring bring your team. Bring your team. You know, be, be nice. And nice to see. You. I haven't seen you for what three and a half years, four years now. I, I think so. Um, we'll have to yeah. we'll have to do that. And I love, love your show, you know, I love it. <laughs> honestly, I'm not telling you I'm in air, but honestly, I, I actually, I was wondering when you're going to call me to come to your show. And I waited two and a half years. Took you that long. <laughs> it did, but we got there. We got there. Yeah. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. Well, um, please keep in touch and we'll have to come in and um, catch up soon. And thank you very much, Again, One second. Nice to talk to you. Talk to you. Take care. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well. <laughs>